You are listening to the podcast of Anthem Church in Columbia, Missouri. For more information, visit us online at anthemcolumbia.com. So if you have your Bibles, you can open them up to James chapter 3. James chapter 3, and we're talking about wisdom today. And here's the thing, when we, we start talking about wisdom I believe most people would consider themselves to be a wise person. Just in the same way that most people consider themselves to be a good driver. But you and I know, yeah, you laugh already, you and I know that is not true. Like, most people think they're a great driver. You all have that one friend, they're like, I'm a great driver. And you're like, you're not, okay? I would consider myself a pretty good driver. Uh, Aside from last month, I did curb check it and completely blow out a tire. But for the most part, I'm a good driver. Like, if Google Maps gives me a time, I can totally beat that time. Like, good driver, right? Like, I feel like I have full control. It was only last month when our staff team was heading back to this meeting in Iowa. And I was like, hey, I'll drive. And Nick Serene, our worship leader, is like, can, can somebody else? And I'm like, what are you talking about? Supposedly, I don't know if this is true or not, supposedly when I get to talking and driving, I might, I might, you know, kind of sway a little bit left and right. And my logic is they paved the whole road, you just well use it all. But, but apparently if you're riding with me, it kind of gets you a little bit car sick. And so Nick was adamant, he was like, no, please not stand drive, okay? Here, here's the deal though, like you might, consider yourself a good driver, but by whose standards? And you might consider yourself to be a wise person, but by whose standards are you using? See, I think when it comes to driving, perhaps the other people on the road and those riding with us, their standards might mean a little bit more than what we think of our driving. And moreover, God, he is the source of wisdom, so perhaps we should let scripture be the judge as to if we're wise or not. And so I can ask the question, hey, are you wise? But I would suggest that today we let Scripture answer that question for us. So I'm going to pray for us and we'll dive in. God, we do. We just pray that you would teach us today from your word, that we would leave here changed, not being the same as what we came in, but God, you would change our hearts, change our way of thinking, and Lord, would you make us wise, not in accordance to our standards, but to yours. That's our prayer in the name of Jesus. Amen. James chapter 3, verse 13. He says this, I'm going to be reading out of the ESV, he says, Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. Right there, we learn right away in verse 13, wisdom is not get answered with words, but it's answered with lifestyle. Are you wise? It's not, it's not something you answer with words. He says, let him show it. It reminds me of the phrase like, proof is in the pudding. You know that phrase? Next generation, you guys use that all the time, right? Totally not. Like the original phrase would, uh, would have been, proof of the pudding is in the eating. And what is meant by that phrase is like, before you cast judgment, you should try it. You should taste it. You should eat it. That's when like, it'll be justified if it was good or bad. Like the proof is in the pudding. Like try it, eat it, ingest it. Then tell me what you think. And what he's saying is, oh, you claim to be wise? Let's see. Like, your lifestyle will back up if you're wise or not. And so this is something that's not answered with words, but it's answered with lifestyle. 
And so we learn early on in 13 that he tells us where to look for wisdom, but in terms of what we're looking for, he's going to explain. Now, James is going to explain this to the early church like I oftentimes explain things to my daughters, okay? My wife and I have been married this week. It'll be nine years, and we've got four. Yeah, that is, yes, if you know my wife, that's something to woo about, right? You're like, woo, good for you. Uh, Four daughters, and when we explain stuff to my daughters, I feel like we explain it like James is about to explain this to the church. Here's what I mean. My daughters, it's like, okay, what daddy wants you to do is I need you to go clean your room. If you're a parent, you know it might take a little more explanation than that. And so you're like, here's what I'm not asking you to do. I'm not asking you to go back to your room, pile all your toys under the bed or in the closet, I am not asking you to go back to your room and clean it in the version where you just play with your sisters for the next half hour and get nothing done. What I'm asking you to do is clean your room. Put your toys where they belong and clean it to the standard that your mother would have, okay? Like that level of clean. Not daddy clean, but the mommy clean. Like that level. There's a slight difference in our house, right? And so that is what I'm asking you to do when you clean your room. And I feel like James is going to do that where he's going to look at it. He's like, here's what wisdom is not. (laughs) This is not wisdom. And so the next few verses are going to be that. And then he's going to get to the end. He's like, this is what I'm talking about. And so he's saying, here's what I'm not talking about. This is not wisdom in verse 14. It's not wise if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts. Do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder in every vile practice. What he says there in verse 15, this is not wisdom that's from above. You might be able to consider it some other version of like wisdom, but he's not the kind that comes from God. It's rooted in verse 14, this selfish ambition jealousy, bitterness. Who is the center in creating the standard for this wisdom? It's a me-centered wisdom. Does that make sense? It's a selfish mission. It's a a me-centered, or I'd say it like this, it's a my will be done kind of wisdom. Thus, it's not from above. It's not about God. It's earthly, he says there in verse 15, and unspiritual to have this my will be done kind of mentality. Now, here's the thing about this kind of quote-unquote wisdom, which he doesn't rule it out altogether because it it is a kind of a version of wisdom, is it can work in part. This my will be done kind of mentality, it can work in part. And what I mean by that is you can have perhaps a successful business with a my will be done kind of mentality. Now, typically, you've got to be pretty tough and pretty forward and bold in order to make your will happen, but it can be done. You can win political seats of power with a kind of a my will be done mentality. Exerting power or, or expending enough money towards something perhaps can get your will accomplished. Or maybe it's done a little bit differently, but it's like manipulating other people through, through guilt or through this bitterness or, or perhaps it's even smooth talking. There's ways, many different ways that you can accomplish kind of a my will be done lifestyle. And you see that, that people, that they're not following God, they're doing their own thing, and they're getting it done. Like, it can happen 
at least in part, where you can have this my will be done mentality. And I would say that our culture kind of reinforces this. Like, hey, whatever makes you happy, whatever is on your heart, that's what you should do. And so commercials kind of feed into this. It's like, man, we really want you to be happy. So what you need is to be able to use both of your hands while you watch TV. So you need a Snuggie. Like, if you just had a Snuggie, you could work the... You know what a Snuggie is? Great Christmas gift, okay? I'm just saying, like, if you could... This would make your life happy because we want to make you happy and we want it want you to be inconvenienced. I remember like the commercials is like, it's my money and I want it now. Like call J.G. Wentworth. Yeah, there you go. Like you can get your money, right? Like everything in this, our culture feeds us. The books that are being sold is how we can have our best life now. And we get this advice from culture that says you need to love yourself. You are the most important person in this world. And so you need to do what makes you happy. To the point where I've heard it said where it's like, well, you don't like your job? That's fine. Just quit it. It, it doesn't matter if you have bills to pay or anything. Just, it's just about you being happy. And so you got to do what you want. There's an article that was just put out by Bloomberg on Friday. And they said that the age 25 to 34-year-old males are the most lagging demographic in the entire workforce today. There are half a million males from ages 25 to 30, that could and should be working, that 10 years ago would have been, but according to unemployment rates, are not. And the primary reason is they just desire to have a good job, and so they don't want to take that job here and, and start working it, so they're just going to wait. And meanwhile, perhaps other people are jumping and, and starting to kind of climb that ladder of taking that poor job and working, but the, there's a, a generation being raised up of 25 to 34-year-old men that, man, I just, I don't know if I would like that. And so I'm, I'm okay living in parents' basement and just hanging out and, and not working. Like, that's the kind of, that my will be done mentality, it's all about me and what would make me happy is ultimately driving things like that. Hey, it's the same advice. And perhaps you've heard somebody say this. Well, I'm just not happy in my marriage. And so culture would say, well, if you're not happy, we just can't have that. You know what you ought to do is just, just get a divorce. Find happiness through consumption. If you're not happy, perhaps you need a different vehicle or you need a different job or you need a different relationship or you need a different major. Just If you could just find the right thing to consume Again, it's, it's about you. And again, it's this kind of my will be done mentality that causes us to, to be frustrated when our will isn't done. And so when that person doesn't create enough space for us to merge over on the road, oh, my will is not being done, I am mad. That's the source of that kind of road rage or frustration is well, your will is not getting done. And it's an indicator, again, that, that we are off in our thinking when we get frustrated that our roommates left dishes in the sink. Oh, that inconveniences my day and my will, what I wanted. If your world revolves around you, you're going to be sorely disappointed when things don't meet expectations. And I, I talk like this, and, and perhaps instantly your mind goes like, I know somebody like that. Anybody here like, I know somebody that's just all about their will and, and getting their will done. Man, that you're like, that's my boss. That's my roommate. That's somebody else. And rarely is it like, hey, maybe I have a little bit of that in myself. Here's, if I could just 
be honest for a moment. I feel like this is the spirit of what Jesus was talking about in Matthew 7, where it says it's easy to see the, the, the speck of sawdust in somebody else's eye, eye, but miss the plank in your own eye. And I'm sitting in connection group this week, and my connection group, who's here, they can testify to this, where all of a sudden we are studying this out, looking in advance, and I am reading the words in this my will be done kind of mentality. And, oh, I'm getting crushed because I'm like, that's, that's me. Like, as I started reflecting on it, if I could just have an honest moment, church, I operate oftentimes with a my will be done sort of mentality. And it was most evident as we were reflecting on this in group when I look at my prayer life or lack thereof. Like, when I look at my prayers... And just as confession, there's days where I get up early to go to meetings, and my days do not start with prayer. Moreover, when I get an opportunity to pray, oftentimes it's saying, well, God, this is what I've got going on, and this is what I would like you to do. This is how I would love for you to bless this. In some regards, like, that I'm the employer, and God's my employee, and I'm like, here, I need you to do this. Again, it's not my stated intention, but as I began to look at Connection Group and and just reflect on this a little bit, I'm realizing that oftentimes I have this my will be done mentality. And it, it begs the question, like, what about your life? Do you have a my will be done mentality or or God, your will be done? If we looked at your prayers and we looked at kind of how you operate, is it in a spot of surrender, trying to accomplish God's will or your will? Are we spending time listening, allowing the Holy Spirit to speak in and things? And understand that in doing so, we might risk that our plans don't get accomplished in favor of God's plans. And what he says is, is that in here, in, in James 3, 14 and 16, he's saying this kind of lifestyle, when you have a my will be done mentality, when you pray like that or when you don't pray, because why would you need to pray? Because you're just doing your will. When you operate like that, what does he say about it? saying, if you're not doing God's will, whose will are you doing? He says this, that this worldly wisdom, what does he say there in verse 15? It's it's earthly. He says it's demonic. Some connection groups I know studying out are like, that is strong language. It's demonic. It aligns with the motives of Satan, not God. This my will be done kind of mentality, he said it's earthly, unspiritual, demonic. Satan is selfish. He's bitter. He wants to play the role of God. And he's not into God's will being done. Satan is, my will be done. I want to be worshipped. I want it to be about me. And he's saying, when you have a my will be done mentality, that aligns with Satan, not God. And you can try and soften it however you want, but Scripture clearly says it is demonic in nature when you have this my will be done mentality. Resembles the characteristics of demons and Satan himself. James doesn't want to mix words. He doesn't want to mince it and say, oh, that's, that's something you should kind of work on. He's saying it's demonic. Call it what it is. Because here's what you're saying. God, I know you created the world. I know you number the hairs on my head. Even you, by faith, we are saved through faith. And I know you have good works you prepared in advance for me to do. But I don't think you know my situation fully. And so I I just tell you what, I'm just going to take this one. We're going to do my will on this one. And so I don't trust you. I need my will to be accomplished. I want my major. I want my relationship. I want this thing. 
My will be done. He's saying that's demonic when you think like that. And I don't believe Satan cares who or what we serve just so long as it's not God. Doesn't matter if you make an idol out of career or relationships or, or some hobby. Whatever keeps you from God, Satan wins. My will be done mentality, this worldly wisdom, is not from above. It's demonic. And it's so contrary to what Jesus said where he said, God, not my will be done, but your will. I'm reading John in my Bible, read through right now, and you just see Jesus saying, I speak what the Father tells me. I do what the Father would have me. I, I submit to him. So these, these are polar opposite. The major problem with this my will be done, this, this wisdom mentioned here in, in 14, 15, and 16, he says this, the major problem with this is it's earthly, it's unspiritual, and it aligns with Satan and the demons. That's the major problem. It's demonic. But if you're taking notes, there's kind of a minor problem with it as well, is honestly it doesn't work. Like, not only is it demonic in nature, it just doesn't work. In verse 16, he says, For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder in every vile practice. Matt Chandler said it like this, The more your life is about you, the more miserable of a human being you will be. Let me say that again. The more your life is about you, your will getting done, the more miserable of a human being you will be. It's not what it was created for. You weren't made to, the world wasn't made to revolve around you. And so the more you try and make that happen, the more your expectations are not going to be met and the more disappointed you're going to be. I'm going to try and do this. I had Nathan help me build this illustration. This is high tech. This is what you get when you're a church plant, okay? So here's what he's saying. Is God's will versus our will being done. Now, we're saying... We could align with God and say, God, what do you want for me? It's like, well, I would want, I'd want this for you. See how this fits? Nice. But this my will be done mentality is like, well, this is what I want, this is what I want, but this is what, what God has for me right here. And you're like, well, I need my will to be done. And so what I didn't practice this before. Oh, so bear one second. I it's my will's got to get done at whatever cost. And so I know I'm facing some opposition, but it's, it's okay. Like, I think we can, we can take care of this. Yeah, I, th I think this is totally what God would have for me right here. If I can just, just, uh, totally, it fits. It, I, it made it. I know it was God's will because it worked out. It made it through, right? What he's saying is the ramifications of forcing stuff like this, not submitting to God's will and what he would have, but making our own way. What does he say? It's going to create disorder, brokenness. You can get your will accomplished, but at what cost, church? When we don't say, God, what is your will? But we say, my will be done, whatever the cost. I'm going to control this. I'm going to make it happen. I'm going to force it until it goes through. He's saying there's disorder. There is brokenness that comes from that. People get hurt because it's not meant to be like that. And here's the thing. is it, It's demonic in nature, and it doesn't work. And I would say this. I would be gracious in my language. I think most people, apart from God, aren't intending to break people and break things. 
Like, I don't think that's the heart. I believe at the heart of it, people want what only God can offer. They just don't know where to find it. And what I mean by that is I believe people want this peace, this security, this joy that comes from a life yield to God in his will. They want the peace, security, and joy. But instead of finding it in God, they seek to find it in other ways. They want the the security that comes from just controlling the situation. They want the, the security, the peace that comes from being financially secure. What God offers in full, these things offer in part, and so they're wanting it, but it's just misaligned. I don't believe it's some evil heart where it's like, oh, I'm trying to be demonic, and I'm just, I want all Christians, no. I think they want what God offers, but they're just not finding ultimately in him, and so they get it in part. If I could just have that vacation, that retirement, then I could have this, this joy, this peace. A variation of what Chandler said, I would say, the more you try and find those things, that peace, security, and the joy, apart from God, the more miserable your life will be. Because it's meant to be found in him alone. And so it's demonic, and it just doesn't work. The wisdom we want is in verses 17 and 18. It's in what you're looking for, this wisdom, genuine wisdom, is from above, and it is first pure then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. First thing we see in verse 17, this kind of wisdom that comes from above, it's pure. It's not self-seeking. It's, it's, it's the opposite of the motivation for worldly wisdom. This kind of wisdom looks and says, man, God, this is, seems like what you would have for me. Instead of trying to force it, just, let's just go with that. See how those fit so much better? It's like, God, what is, what is your will? What do you have for me? And instead of trying to make my will happen, God, what is your will? Okay, there's an outlet for that. And it just fits right in there. And what he's saying is this kind of Wisdom, this disposition of our heart is peaceable, it's gentle, it's open to reason, it's meek, it's full of mercy, good fruits, impartial, sincere. This wisdom seeks to love God and love others. That's what wisdom from above puts others first, puts God's will first. That's so contrary, you have to understand, from the earthly wisdom, which is a my will be done, Whereas this wisdom from above is, God, your will be done, not mine. And I'm telling you, this is counterintuitive to the culture we live in. God's wisdom seems like foolishness oftentimes to people. Like, why would you give that generously? Why would you serve in that way? Like, why would you humble yourself and and be led in that? So how this looked for me, I remember, I'll just take one area of applying, like, Godly wisdom, getting married. Scripture's clear on how to do marriage. Ephesians talks about, husbands, you need to love your wives as Christ loved the church. You need to lay down your life for her. You need to surrender kind of your will, and you need to seek her best interest. And I remember a friend, I'll just call him Sam, and, and Sam said, saw me like trying to serve my wife, and, and I think we were supposed to do something, you know, probably go hunt or do something fun. And I'm like, well, 
my wife really needs me, and so, Sam, I got to duck out. I need to really love her in this moment and be there. And I just remember, like, him taking pity on me in some regard. He's like, oh, you poor guy. Like, you don't get to do what you want. And, 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 and you're not getting your way accomplished. <laughs> and I just remember, like, in that moment, being like, ah. Oh. And I, he's feeling so sorry for me. I just remember saying, man, Sam, I'm going to, my role is to love her and to take care of her. And I've got to trust God in this. And yeah, I want to do this, but more than I want to do what I want, I want to do what God wants. And it's not worth kind of talking about how Sam's marriage turned out and, and mine. I would just say, again, happily celebrating nine years of marriage this week with my wife, raising kids in, in the, the connectivity that we have. If you have a, my will be done, let's do whatever makes me happy, that is an incredibly isolating mentality in which to live. Does that make sense? When you live and you align with like the motives of Satan, my will and what I want, it is alienating and repelling to other people. And I would say that having like, God, what is your will? And, and honey, how can I love and serve you? Is the bonding way to do things. It's as if God knows what he's talking about. He's saying, this is wisdom. And it makes sense because we'd say God is the source of all wisdom. And so aligning ourselves with God and doing his will, what he says is we're going to become more like him. There's this harvest of righteousness in verse 18 that comes from living life like that. That's what we're gaining. Not righteousness that that comes from trusting Jesus, but more of a, a rightness, becoming more like God as we live in light of what his will for us is. And so what we don't get, what we don't gain from this, God, your will be done, he doesn't promise us that our finances are going to be great. He doesn't promise us that it's going to bring about peace. He doesn't promise it's going to bring about freedom from problems when we surrender to his will. But he's saying, you will become more like me. And that's backed up by the testimony of Scripture. When you, when you look at the New Testament, you see, man, God doesn't promise all those other things, but he promises that we get to be more like him. And so the question early on is, are you wise, church? That question is answered with, who's in control? Are you living, uh, God, your will be done? Or is it a, my will be done mentality? And he doesn't mix words because, again, a my will be done mentality, not only is it demonic, it just doesn't work. And it's going to leave a level of brokenness wherever that path goes. And so the push from here is to lean into what God would have. In John chapter 12, like I said, I've been reading in that, Jesus said this. He says, truly, truly, John 12, 24, I say to you, Unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. The thing that I've been meditating on this week is I realize the selfishness that exists in my heart and how that spills over in my family and my parenting and how I lead even this church. The thing that it pushes me back to is honestly going back to Jesus and recognizing like what God has done. Because if we're saying, church, that, that we recognize as we celebrate communion, that Jesus Christ 
His body was broken for us. His blood was shed. And before that happened, he said, God, if there's a way to take this cup but not my will, your will be done. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, for me. How absurd would it be, is it, that I would just take that gift and say, oh, thank you for that. Now I'm just going to live a my will be done kind of life. And is what you're living for worth Jesus dying for? God freed us. And he's prepared good works in advance that we would walk in them, Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. That, and what it means to do that is simply put, is just saying, praying like Jesus prayed. God, would your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven? And so what does that look like for us to reflect on that today as we take communion? And so before you take communion, I would invite you to just prayerfully inspect your life and say, is there things that I am holding on to that I haven't allowed God to speak into? Does that make sense? Are there things where it's like, I haven't asked God's opinion on that because I don't want it to be contrary to mine? Some of you are smiling right now. You're like, no, please don't. What I'm saying is I would want to open that up and say, God, you speak into it. I don't want to control things. I don't want to force it and have my way be done because that is demonic, and moreover, it just doesn't work. And so would you counterintuitively let go, die, as Jesus says, and from that trust that there will be fruit born from that? That anyone who wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. You have to trust, Anthem Church, that God had your best interest in mind when he taught us to pray. God, your kingdom come, your will be done. Do you believe that God can be no more good to you than he already has been with Jesus? And can you lean in and surrender your will to his will? And so as you take communion today, how we do that here at Anthem Church, there's four different tables. I, there's gluten-free in kind of the back corners. The band's going to come up, and we're just going to worship together. And then you can break off a piece of the bread and dip it in the cup and take communion. But again, before you make your way there and get all lined up, I would just ask the Lord to, to inspect your heart and say, God, would you reveal to me where I'm holding on to my will? And just in a moment, if you haven't made a habit of praying this to start your morning or throughout the day, asking God, just stop, listen, and ask him to reveal. And if there's things that are revealed, surrender that before you take communion. Amen? So, Ben, go ahead and come on up and I'll pray for us. God, we do pray that your will would be done in our lives. Lord, we don't want to treat you like some employee of ours that is meant to, to just make us happy. Lord, you do all these things. You work all things out for the good of those who love you, but it's according to your will. And so, God, would you please reveal where we're forcing things, and we just want to put that before you, and we want to surrender that. And so, God, I just pray right now that you would reveal to the church perhaps even to married couples, that there'd be conversations taking place before communion. Or we'd say, you know what, we should stop and we should actually pray about that. We should ask what God wants. So God, would you please, by your spirit, move now. We just invite you to move in our lives for your glory.